0: KBTC, a viewer-supported community service of Bates Technical College. From KBTC Public Television Studios in
1: Tacoma, Washington, welcome to the Steve on the Street podcast. A closer look behind the headlines as public policy and current affairs impact the real lives of
0: real people. Welcome to the Steve on the Street Podcast, produced by KBTC's Northwest Now. I am photojournalist and reporter Steve Kiggins, hosting this latest episode, and today we're talking back to school for kids across Western Washington. And determining and guiding steps to monitor and enhance youth mental health is the Washington Healthy Youth Survey. It's a collaboration with state, local, and tribal education and public health agencies. We remember the COVID-19 pandemic, paused the 2020 report, the latest release happened in 2021 and officials are now gearing up to conduct the 2023 survey. Today we're speaking with the State Department of Health, Dr. Mayan Simkis. So you're the expert on the Healthy Youth Survey.
1: I am one of the experts. (laughs) There are many, many folks who work to make this survey happen.
0: Got it. I understand. Yeah, there there can't be just one.
1: There can't be just one. I do have specific hats I wear, though.
0: Yeah. Well, it looks complicated in terms of the number of topics it it broaches and the number of um, age groups that it approaches. So it's really wide ranging. Maybe you can help our viewers understand kind of the scope of the survey and the kind of broad range that it helps tackle.
1: Absolutely. So the Healthy Youth Survey is comprised of questions that have been asked of students in Washington since the early 80s. And in the early 2000s, the survey was formed as a partnership between four state agencies. So we have the Washington State Department of Health, the Healthcare Authority, Office of Superintendent of Public Instruction, and the Liquor and Cannabis Board. And we work together to, every two years, produce a survey that is administered in schools across the state it is directed primarily for students uh, in sixth eighth tenth and twelfth grade so about 12 to 18 years old and it covers a huge range of topics everything from basic demographics and age uh, race ethnicity for example to things like how they're doing in school do they do school activities What about substance use, mental health? Do they like to do sports after school? How do they feel about their future? So we really want to understand youth from their own perspective. And it is the most robust source of information that we have about
0: youth by youth in the whole state. Are you finding that youth uh, out of all of those ages don't really have a problem telling you exactly how they feel and exactly what they're getting into? Students
1: love to share information, and they love to tell us about how they're doing. We have done some focus groups with youth. We've invited them to be part of the process for revising and testing questions. And Anytime we have students engage with us, they're fascinated, first of all. They want to understand when they give us information, where's it going? How's it being used to help them? How do we take this information and turn it into programs and resources for youth? So there's a lot of eagerness, to be honest, to tell us about what their experiences are. And we love getting to hear from youth about how much they not only appreciate the project, but that they get to go back and use some of the information that we make public online.
0: Fascinating. Let me ask you about the last um, you know, handful of years, just mm-hmm. because you know, everyone got thrown for a loop with this pandemic and all the subsequent actions and reactions it so how did that kind of change in terms of response and uh, the number of students that participated and what are some of the findings that may have changed in that kind of pocket of time compared to this latest survey which i believe is 21.
1: yes so terrific question um just background for you i'm turning off my interviewee kind of mode for a second we did the survey in the even years in 2020 we postponed it till 2021 the next survey is 23 yeah so it comes this fall so you know right. so to your question uh the covid pandemic really had an impact on the way that we do the survey so historically we've done the survey in even years going back to 2002 in 2020 we said you know what a lot of students aren't in the classroom we need to figure out how to make this work. So our agencies got together with our planning committee. We looked at the technology available with our contractor, and we ended up moving to a fully online survey, with the exception of a small number of places that still wanted paper. And we postponed the survey to 2021. When we did the survey in 2021, we did still see a reduction in the number of students who took the survey. So in 2018, there were around 235,000 students across the state who did the survey. And in 2021, we had about 208,000 who took the survey. So there was a bit of a drop, but frankly that wasn't surprising and we were really pleased with the turnout. It was really terrific to know that schools were able to administer the survey in an incredibly difficult time. Schools were being asked to do the unimaginable. Students were facing absolutely wild experiences unprecedented, as everyone's heard that word quite a lot over the past several years. But it allowed us as a survey team to evolve and modernize our approaches. And you asked a little bit about the results. What did we see in the findings? So data from 2021 are a little complicated to interpret, partially because we don't really know what some of the changes we saw mean. So for example, we saw a drop in substance use across the board, alcohol, tobacco, vaping, cannabis. And we don't know if that's because parents were with their kids more at home, if kids just weren't attending social gatherings so they weren't having exposure, or maybe there was actually a reduction because youth heard about a respiratory illness and didn't wanna use you know, respiratory inhalants, cigarettes, vaping, etc., we don't actually have an answer with just one year of data. So what we're looking to do now in 2023 when we administer the survey and then in future years is track that trend. It started to drop pretty severely in 2021. We want to know is it going to continue to drop? Is it going to level off or might it start going back up and leveling out to where we saw it pre-COVID? And we really don't know until we get more data. So that's part of why the survey is evolving over time. It's helping us to understand what we need to in any particular moment. Just as we change our methodology, we also revise our questions.
0: I'm speaking from a layman, uh, but what struck me as rather surprising were the number of students who um, uh, were honest about not feeling they had a connection to an adult that they could lean on, that they could talk to. Um, How has that attitude shifted in the past number of surveys?
1: You know, it's a terrific question. I have the trend data that I can pull up for you, and we can look at it. But I'll just share some of those numbers first, if that's okay. so please, folks can get an understanding. What we saw in 2021 is that roughly two-thirds of students said They felt they had an adult they could turn to for help if they needed it, somebody that they could go to if they felt sad or hopeless for some kind of support. Two thirds isn't terrible, but we saw that that number dropped for certain youth, for example, LGBTQ plus youth, youth with disabilities, black and indigenous youth all reported less frequently that they had an adult to turn to. And It's disturbing when we see patterns of youth who aren't able to turn to an adult or don't feel that they can, because we also know if you don't have an adult to turn to, you're about half as likely to report. Excuse me, I said that backwards. Let me correct that. We know that youth who have an adult to turn to or feel they do are half as likely to report depressive symptoms than those who say they don't have someone to turn to. And students who have an adult to turn to are also less likely to report suicidal ideation. We know that that relationship, that social connection at school, at home, and in their community is incredibly important to youth well-being over time during COVID, we saw a variety of changes in this. We saw some youth saying they had less connection at school, which would make sense if they weren't in person. Some were able to find more connection online. Some were able to find connection with community, and some faced more challenges because of distancing, because of the closure of some of those social spaces that they were used to. Our hope is that as we emerge from some of the social isolation of the earlier parts of the pandemic, youth will find more ways to connect and that this protective
0: factor of connection will really help benefit youth over time. It must be troubling to hear that kind of response uh, from the segments of students who are part of a community who might already be feeling left out and maybe marginalized and perhaps victimized. How does that change the approach and questions for the next survey? What a terrific question, Steve. We do our best with the Healthy Youth Survey
1: to follow the patterns that youth are sharing with us. When we see that youth are struggling in a particular area or if a community comes to us and says here's a topic we're really worried about we will work on identifying ways to add questions to the survey or modify what we have to explore the problem further and i'll give you an example uh, before the 2021 survey we had a number of community groups raise concerns around problematic internet use they were specifically concerned about youth exposure to the internet social media and how much time they were spending online. What are the impacts of that on youth? So we started to hear this, we recognized it was a problem, a proposal was submitted. And so we rolled up our sleeves and we got to work and we identified a tool called the Prius around problematic and risky internet use. It was developed by Dr. Megan Moore at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and Dr. Moore's team created a three-item version of this tool, three questions that help screen and identify youth who are at risk for problematic internet use. Now, in a clinical setting, you might use a scale like this and then have a follow-up with a counselor. On a survey like the Healthy Youth Survey, it's totally anonymous. We can't follow up with students. We don't get to step in and offer services instead we use something like this to understand the trend what's happening among youth which youth are most at risk and how overall do we provide services that reach that population so we added this new three item tool on problematic internet use to the survey and boy did we find a lot we found that uh, approximately one in five that's 20 percent of 10th graders were at risk for problematic internet use in 2021. One in five. Now, what does that mean? Problematic Internet use includes feeling anxious or withdrawn withdrawal when you're not able to connect to social media or Internet or feeling a lack of motivation, to do anything due to Internet use. So if you're feeling anxiety or withdrawal or a lack of motivation because of your Internet use, that seems like a really challenging way to be a kid. And try to go to school and participate in activities and be part of your family but not only that we know that 10th graders who reported problematic internet use were also two times more likely to report depressive symptoms and 2.3 times more likely to report suicidal ideation or considering suicide we know that problematic internet use is higher among populations that are already set up structurally to be more disadvantaged that already faced more barriers to well-being like lgbtq plus youth youth with disabilities and we know for some of these populations social media can actually provide a positive benefit it can provide community it can provide support and social connection when sometimes you can't find it in your physical geography what's around you and there are always risks. The risks and benefits are challenging. And I think we're trying to answer the question, although this survey is likely not going to be able to do it on its own, how much is too much when it comes to social media and what kind of social media interaction is okay? And what kind might be more problematic?
0: Maybe if we take just a step back, I just have a couple more questions for you. And uh, some some of the other questions and and responses that struck me as concerning were the the number of young folks talking about feeling anxious and depressed now it's been a long time since i was a child uh you know i had those days but um the numbers that they described in the 21 survey frankly were shocking to me i agree in 2021 we had a lot of youth in our state reporting
1: anxiety and we found that among 10th graders and 10th graders are often the group that we use as a reference. So we found that among 10th graders in 2021, almost 70 percent of youth said that they were feeling some level of anxiety in their day to day lives. And we saw that number was even higher among youth who were facing additional struggles and additional barriers towards well-being, like LGBTQ plus youth, for example, where it was closer to 90 percent. And it's very distressing to know that we had youth during that time and continuing onward facing so much anxiety. Some of it obviously was contextual, some of it might have been the because of the pandemic or a lack of access to school resources, uncertainty. In fact, on the survey, we included a few questions with our last cycle about worries and fears related to COVID. Fear of not having enough food to eat or a parent losing their job or not having Stable housing, and we were able to see that students really were worried about their experiences. And what broke my heart was that sixth graders often were reflecting more anxiety and fear than even some of their
0: older peers Wow. So since this the latest 23 survey comes, I think you mentioned this fall, what what is the state uh, you know what are the stakeholders who are putting this series together? What do you anticipate in terms of response? Do you think you'll get the kind of turnout that we saw in, I think, uh, 2018 and prior? Or do you think we'll be a little bit lower and kind of see maybe an upward trajectory? And and how might some of the new questions uh, be posed to these youth uh, coming from what they've already told us concerning the last few surveys? Hey, there's a
1: lot in that question. So let me start with the first part about sure. response, the response rate. So um, we aren't sure what to expect in terms of the number of completed surveys we'll have this year. The decision the decision to take the survey isn't necessarily at the student level. Schools and districts decide if they're going to administer the survey. Students can choose not to take it. Parents can opt their students out. Students can stop in the middle of the survey if they want to. It's unclear if we're going to see numbers bounce back to where they were pre-COVID. It's possible. It's also possible they'll be similar. And if there's a bit more of a drop-off, I don't think we would be that surprised. We know that schools right now are facing a lot of assessment, a lot of surveying of their students, and they're still trying to deal with the changes in their student body. The fact that students may have areas that need a little bit more attention or require a different kind of environment in the classroom. And so we know that schools have a ton on their plates. It's hard to know, but registration is open for the Healthy Youth Survey 2023. Schools and districts can register their their facilities online, and we are really eager to see folks participate. Uh, There is no cost to participate for schools and districts that choose to, results are provided to them at no cost. And we always provide as much technical support as we can Your second question, can you repeat that portion of that for me?
0: No, let's see, I I, I think we covered just the first couple. I think the one that were uh, kind of, that was outstanding uh, was what kind of direction could some of the questions in the twenty-three survey go in terms of what you had heard in the past surveys? So
1: how how might we change the questions or? If
0: if that's even a reality, if that's how that goes.
1: Hmm, okay. Trying to think the right way to kind of describe this without getting too in the weeds for you, Steve. So the survey goes through a two-year cycle, and each cycle there is a window where we accept recommendations and requests for revisions. So after the 2021 survey, actually during it. We were already starting the process of revising the 23 survey, so we've started to make some or we made some modifications already to what's coming in the fall. Uh, We've adjusted the questions that were very focused on covid. We've made some adjustments to make it easier for schools that are primarily online to also administer the survey, so we don't ask only about being in the school environment quite so much. Uh, we are, you know, I should say, in school environment, I should say. Um, we don't ask as much about being in-person as much to sure, yeah. so make it a little bit more flexible. Uh, we've also looked at using different survey platforms to make it more accessible. We've changed the languages. In fact, the survey will be offered in more languages this year than in prior years. Uh, and we have added new elements to make it more accessible online over recent years as well um, for those who use screen readers, for example. So we're hopeful that the question revisions and recommendations we receive from community partners, from parents, from students, from colleagues in government, from legislators, will really help to address some of the emerging concerns with youth It's also hard to know if we're going to catch everything that we need to. So for folks who are interested in learning more about the Health Youth Survey or contributing uh, their thoughts and recommendations, our website has a survey that is available year round where we are taking recommendations. We're always reviewing what we see. Our website is askhys.net, and we are super happy to hear what folks have to say because it really does help guide what we do each year.
0: So thanks to the State Department of Health, and thank you to Dr. Mayan Simkes, and thank you for joining us on the Steve on the Street Podcast.